Welcome to episode 198 of Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm Heather Brooker. I hope you guys are safe and well wherever you are and wherever you're listening from. My guest today is Lindsay Weissmuller. She is a casting director and has a lot of wonderful insights to share about casting and the casting process. So you guys are going to really enjoy that, especially if you're an actor like me. Um, I want to tell you guys first, listen, we're all at home. We're homeschooling. Hopefully you're at home safe. Uh, being safe and social distancing. And if you're like me, you have suddenly found yourself in the role of teacher and you're now homeschooling and looking for supplemental activities outside of schoolwork to help your kids continue to learn and grow. Well, I am so thrilled to tell you that Peanuts, the Peanuts gang, Snoopy and the whole Peanuts gang are sponsoring Motherhood in Hollywood. And the reason they're doing that is because they have this brand new at-home lessons and activities uh, that are free on their website. You guys can download them at peanuts.com. There are five lessons and activities to choose from, everything from space and science to springtime and sports. So you definitely want to go to peanuts.com to check that out. Channing and I recently did the springtime lesson plans and activities, which was so wonderful. It gave us a chance to get outside, look for flowers, look at the trees. You know, we've been going on walks in our neighborhood, and this was a great way to incorporate some learning into that, some education. Um, All of their activities are STEM-based, language arts. They also have social studies involved. So there's a lot of wonderful opportunities there to learn and grow from some of your favorite classic characters from Snoopy, Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy, Woodstock is all in there too. So definitely go and check that out. It's completely free. Head on over to peanuts.com, print them right out at home and uh, get to work. Don't be a blockhead. (laughs) Go right now and check it out. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hi, friends. How are you? I hope you're doing well. My last episode with Chris, um, I got a lot of feedback from people who are saying thank you for talking so honestly and openly about what's happening with the coronavirus situation, how we're all quarantining. Um, that was a few weeks ago and things have, have changed quite a bit. Now we're all definitely still quarantining, but they've also stayed dramatically the same. Um, I don't know about you guys, but the day to day, uh, waking up, going to sleep, you know, is all the days are blending together is what I'm trying to say. I'm staying really busy with work. Thankfully, um, I'm really blessed. I still have my job. I'm loving working for NBCLA, as you guys know. And, um, but it's still just this strange feeling, this like weight that's on your shoulders of like, things are not normal. Things are not right. Like I can't just pop over to the coffee shop or the mall or, you know, go see friends or whatever. And that weight has been, um, you know, I try not to focus on it. I know a lot of people say, oh, they just don't watch the news or whatever. Well, I work in the news, so I have to watch the news. And I also get emails all the time from work telling me what's going on, what's happening in the world. So it's kind of hard for me to um, cut it off and disassociate a little bit. So I'm trying to find that good balance. And I hope you guys are as well. And I really hope that this episode and this podcast is a good way for you to do that. I'm going to try to start doing more episodes um, when I can. And um, this is a really great one. I should say this one was taped actually before the shutdown over a month ago. And I've just been so busy and I'm finally getting to it. And I'm so thrilled to share this interview with you with uh, Lindsay Weissmuller. She is a casting director. She's been casting for many, many years. And one of the most recent shows that she cast was called Adam Ruins Everything. And it was on True TV. And she shares some really wonderful insights about her life and her job as a casting director, what she's looking for when actors come in the room, her one of my favorite things that she says, you guys, is how she loves to talk to the actors, especially if it's someone she's never seen before. She likes to chat with them and get to know them a little bit. And that's super rare in television casting because mostly it's just in and out. You say your lines and you move on, you know, and you feel like you don't really get a shot to make an impression. 
Um, so I love that Lindsay says that. And I love that she does that. I've auditioned for her and she does do that. We chatted for probably like five or 10 minutes the last time I was in there. And um, which is how it led to this conversations about her being on my podcast. So there are casting directors who do take the time to do that. Not all of them have time to do that, but I'm so glad that Lindsay is one of those folks who is. And she is going to be sharing. Now, obviously, like I said, this was taped before the shutdown when things were still sort of in production and moving forward in Hollywood. And things have obviously taken a dramatic turn and have shifted and have mostly shut down now. But they will be up and going again soon. So hopefully this advice will um, be worthwhile long past uh, this air date and time. And I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Lindsay Weissmuller as much as I did. So here we go. Okay, for all my actors who are listening, for anybody who's in the business, we are going to deep dive into some casting to acting to all kinds of industry stuff. My guest today, you guys, is Lindsay Weissmuller. Am I saying that right? Yes. That's what I thought. Okay, I wanted to say Mueller, but I'm like, I feel like that's not correct. Different people in my family say it different ways. Do they really? It's not my name. It's my husband's name. <laughs> so you're like, they get a pass. Whatever. Ever gets a pass. Um, thank you for coming all this way today. I know you're super busy. We're literally like in the middle of pilot season and all of that stuff. So thank you. Of course. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So does pilot season still exist even like in the way that we know it or? It's not It's not the same as it was when I started out where yeah. it was so defined because um, it was what usually like January to March, April. Yeah, and it was just crazy during mm-hmm. those times. But pilots can happen any time of the year now, so yeah. it, that is still the traditional schedule for sure. like the major networks. But on top of that, there are pilots throughout the year, yeah. so it spreads things out a little bit. Do you feel like that makes your job easier or harder? Because you could pick up a pilot any time and start casting it, right? Instead of just relying on those three or four month windows to get a new show. Sure. Um, I think it. I think it, it makes it better. More work makes it yeah. better. There's yeah. more opportunity. And even if I'm not doing a pilot and other people are, it frees up opportunities for me to do an on-air series or a movie or something like that. I haven't done a lot of pilots since Mm -hmm. I've gone out on my own and it which coincided with having my first child Mm -hmm. and um it's been really nice actually pilot season is my favorite time of year because (laughs) I get a lot of really good projects during that time and a lot of new opportunities to work with new producers Mm -hmm. because of there's they're a, getting a chance to make TV. Yeah. <laughs> they're actually getting a shot. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's been it's good. I think I think with all the new platforms and premium channels mm-hmm. and the rise of all these different and, and in the small indies and you know there's so much more content now. There's stuff online that it's all kinds of opportunities for actors and casting directors to work on different types of stuff. And so I'm constantly, I'm constantly being offered something I've a platform I've never heard of, or like, you know, what is this? Yeah, and so it's it's fun to explore, and there's more work than ever. I think, I think there's more work than ever, but it's also perhaps people don't pay as much as they used to because yeah. people used to pay more for more lot. limited things Mm -hmm. and so now the resources are distributed but there's a lot more opportunity and I welcome that because I like to do new things and kind of be on the forefront of different you know types of programming and and projects so I'm I'm fine with that and it makes it a little bit easier to you know, say no to things when I need a break or need to find some more work-life balance. Yeah. Um, and where were you before you went out on your own? Um, so I've worked at a, a few different places. Sure. I, I uh, started out doing made-for-TV movies at Ooh. this company that kind of like worked in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I worked at the Koner Agency, which is okay. like a mid-level boutique-style agency. I worked for John Papsidera. For a bit, mm-hmm. um, and then I worked f- right before I went on my own 
for a long time I worked for Nancy Nair and then I went on my own about uh, five years ago nice and how do you find um that you're liking that freedom of being on your own is it more scary that you're not like with a a casting group or is it more are you feeling more free I I definitely feel free yeah just because I get to choose what I want to work on and who I want to work with and I can choose whether I'm going to love the material and um Instead of somebody saying, no, you have to cast this whether you like it or not. Right. Or depend. Yeah. You, and yeah. and it, it's not that it was always that way or anything mm-hmm. working for other people. I got to work on really great things. Yeah. But it's just establishing my own relationships and mm-hmm. and taking that kind of ownership over things is a condition and under which I thrive. Mm-hmm. And so it's been fun. And I think it's it's freeing because it's gone well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. If, if it was too dry, it might be that might make more it stressful. <laughs> yeah. That would make a difference. But I've been, I've just been fortunate. I've worked pretty consistently. I haven't had more than a few weeks at a time where I wasn't working on something mm-hmm. unless it was by choice mm-hmm. or by maternity leave. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so it's been nice and, and I can just, focus on the things that I really want to do mm-hmm. specifically in the relationships that I want to develop and, and care and, for and care for. Yeah. Um, well, I want to talk a little bit about what you're working on now, but also like, you know, some actory stuff. But before we get to that, I want to talk about, if you've mentioned a couple of times, hashtag mom life, you know, <laughs> and hashtag being a mom and all that stuff. Um, I would love to know, first of all, was there any hesitation at all before you became a mom? I'm always curious to know if people in the industry from all sides of the industry hesitate at all before they become a mother, because there is such a stigma in our industry that we um, may lose work if we become moms. We're not as dedicated if we become moms and um, we can't commit to the long hours. You know, I mean, I know you're probably on call all the time if a producer needs you or needs to set up a session. Um, So what was your thought process like before you decided to jump into motherhood? Well, nothing was going to stop me from becoming a mom. I mean, with my control, I always wanted wanted to be be a mom and Mm -hmm. that was going to be a priority. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, if I couldn't have kids or something like that, then that would stop sure, me sure. potentially. But yeah. um, but I never considered not having kids because I was going to put my career first. I just somebody who always feels like there's a way mm-hmm. to make it happen. It work. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was my mentality. I really worked hard for a long time to be sure that I could just work as hard as possible mm-hmm. and when I that when I had kids I could be a little more in control of my own schedule and destiny. In your career, yeah. And so so I didn't know what to expect when I was becoming a mom in terms of how it would affect my career, but I was willing to sort of accept whatever the mm-hmm. consequences were. Right, I right. guess. And to my surprise, it's only made my career better and more what I want it to be mm-hmm. to take so much focus out of, you know, just saying yes to everything and putting my head in the ground and like barreling forward and not really paying attention and absorbing the moments and being present. All these things that becoming a mother uh, where you've you're accentuates to do. in yeah. my life yeah. um and so having kids has made me a lot more focused with mm-hmm. work it's made me more intentional like you know you have to get in get certain things done and get out because you've got to um get to your child yeah. yeah and I I am available for the people that I work with if they need me anytime but I do feel like I've been able to set up some healthy boundaries at the same time if I can't make a phone call at a certain time I can't make a phone call at a certain time and Mm -hmm. I don't have the kind of anxiety or you know like like it doesn't feel like such a big deal to just say yeah I can't do it this time but here are three other times I can do it and I find that people are accepting and and willing to work with you and I try not to use my kids as As an excuse excuse or a reason um 
it also helps to have a really supportive like equally minded partner Mm -hmm. totally because my husband is always available to pick up the slack whenever I get really busy at work yeah which does happen and vice versa he gets really busy and I'm not as busy what does he do he does a documentary films for a production company um so he like is if filmmaker or is he he's more like more like a journalist documentary so he makes like sort of short vice style docs cool okay yeah um i love vice i i i for some reason we got like a couple of free months or something and i was like this is so great i love this like peering into other people's world uh for a hot second so yeah maybe it is that journalist in me that enjoys that part of it for sure yes i heard that you had started that that way yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and so we kind of pick up the slack for each other and support each other in that way so that is really helpful i don't know that i would be able to say a lot of these same things without that if you are like yeah yeah it is important to have a good support system like that. Like I feel super lucky and I say that all the time as well to have my husband who is able to go pick up my daughter from school if I'm stuck at a work thing or if I have an audition on the other side of town and I know I'm not going to make it back. Like we, he's been a, a huge help in that way. So that does make a difference. And I think it's important to let people know that you, you have to have help and nobody's doing it all. Nobody's like this superhuman, like I do everything all on my own. And, um, it's good to have help and ask for help. It's, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Um, I would love to know from your perspective, what has changed in terms of like, um, if you've noticed any difference between how actors are treated when they're moms versus how they're treated now, like, so, so, there used to be sort of this idea that when you were an actor and you became mom, uh, your career was over and you know, your figure would go and you know, like whatever, whatever ridiculous notions um, that they had. And I feel like in the last maybe five to 10 years or so, that's kind of not been the norm anymore, but I'm also not privy to a lot of conversations where a woman's weight or her body or her time or her personal life may be being discussed as a factor in a large role or a a part in the show. Mm. Is that something that, and you don't obviously don't have to give details, but is that something that is, are those conversations happening still or are people more, have we moved past that? You think? I think that I don't think we've completely moved past that. I think that there is an emphasis on a certain body type or whatever for certain roles. And there always will be. Mm -hmm. But what I think is happening is that there's a wider range of representation in film and television. So there are roles where, you know, there are roles where you, the producers or the director have in mind that they want somebody who looks a certain way and that way is super hot body (laughs) or super young (laughs) or just like, you know, no wrinkles or wouldn't they look a certain way? But there's also more than that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's becoming less and less and more I get that I want... we. Someone real looking. Yeah, just somebody who's lived their life Mm -hmm. and somebody relatable and somebody who isn't so perfect looking right, necessarily. Right. And not that I think I, I know a lot of moms who are perfect yes, looking. So and do I, I don't <laughs> understand it, but um, I, I don't know if it has to do with being a mom or not mm-hmm. being a mom, but just, I think there's a wider range of what people want to see on screen now. Yeah. And so there are more opportunities for people who don't necessarily fit inside the box that used to be the only type mm-hmm. of role that were available for leads yeah so they're bigger roles that are for all types and I wonder if that sort of ties into the uh, all of the platforms that are available and simply the quantity of projects that are being made now because there's there's such a need for everybody's consuming everything there's such a need for new show new programming new ideas and specificity yeah and not and yeah some of them are very niche and not every show is going to be about that perfect supermodel looking family or whatever you know um so what if the one hand is sort of driving the other well for example i i work on a tv series called special Mm -hmm. and it's on netflix and netflix specifically is uh, just observationally i don't know what their business model is Mm -hmm. internally 
but my observation is that they are sort of finding really specific audiences that aren't necessarily as huge as what you might find on Mm -hmm. like the Big Bang Theory or Mm -hmm. network show, but they can sort of afford to experiment with different ideas and different very specific ideas um, that will really appeal to a certain audience and they don't have to spend the kind of budget to do a network pilot that may or may not get picked up with huge names and you know crazy locations Mm -hmm. they can kind of do a sort of experiment and say we want to try and make a show about this really specific thing and see what happens see how it does yeah yeah and give it a real chance like like make a series not just a pilot and they don't need the kind of audience in order to get a return on their investment. Like the big networks and stuff do. Exactly. Mm. And so That's true. I don't know what kind of audience um, our show has, but it's Do they the not release season. those metrics to you guys? Like you don't know? I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe. they release it to the I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I don't think that they release that kind of stuff. Yeah. I would though. be surprised if they would tell, because I feel like then. I know they don't with movies. Yeah. Um, huh. But. Yeah. I, but all I know is that the show that I'm doing has a second season and they're really happy with it. And so that tells me that people are watching it Mm -hmm. and that there's an audience for it. And, um, I think there are a lot of shows like that on Netflix that are different than anything you've ever seen on TV before Mm -hmm. with different types of actors The the creator of our show wasn't an actor. He was a a uh, writer and um he wrote a book he's a uh he's a gay man with cerebral palsy who wrote a memoir about his life and um it's really funny mm-hmm. and they made a show based on the memoir it's just so, loosely based yeah, on yeah, his yeah. life and it's really good and it's really funny and i think that Nobody was making a show like that, even mm-hmm. just a few years ago. Yeah. And so there's just, and in on, on our show, there's so many opportunities for all different types of people that I've never, I've never been tasked to try and find yeah. before. And um, it's exciting as a casting director. Yeah, I would imagine so, especially because, you know, part of your job, and I don't want to make assumptions about it, is to seek out and find um talent and sometimes talent doesn't always come in the same kind of box you know like it's all different shapes and sizes and voices and you know um so that's got to be probably a lot more exciting than just maybe I don't want to again stereotype the the networks but like they do tend to to cast the same kind of shows the same kind of people you know well the reason for that is because you have to appeal to, to such a large yeah. od- a large audience. Well, and it's also a formula for them that's been tried and true for so long. Right. But I always wonder if people are getting burnt out with that formula because so many people are turning to the streaming services. Are they tired of the the network, you know, mediocrity? And I don't want to say me- that I don't that doesn't mean everything on the major networks is mediocre, right. but it's um I just wonder if people are like ready for new faces and new things, which is why they're all kind of going to the streaming services. Well, I I think that's totally the case. And I do think that the networks are on to that. It's just, they don't have the sort of creative freedom maybe. Yeah. Or just agility to adjust in so quickly in that way. There's a lot more, but like, could you imagine a game of Thrones on like CBS or something or like you, they just can't do (laughs) They just can't. They can't do that. They, you know, they have too many restrictions on those right. networks. Well, restrictions mm-hmm. affect the their agility, their mm-hmm. ability to, you Pivot. know, adapt quickly. Yeah. But but they are even when I I would work on back at one of the offices I used to work at. We did a bunch of CW pilots, mm-hmm. and I remember the mandate was always we don't want somebody you think of as just a CW actor. We want somebody really interesting. We want different faces on our network. What? And- when was this at CW? Cause <laughs> I've never heard that. About- Every CW I go in and I'm like, I've literally auditioned, I think like five times for a CW show with Supergirl. And every time I'm like, pretty, pretty, gorgeous, pretty, pretty. And then there's me. 
So I'm like, wild card. <laughs> uh, well, this was around the time that, like, for example, Jane the Virgin. And I forgot about Jane the Virgin, actually. Or uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is creator-driven content, which is something you don't see a lot mm-hmm. unless the creator is somebody, like, very famous already right? in network television. And so they you know it doesn't adjust like I said as quickly as maybe like a cable network or a premium channel or certainly not as fast as digital platforms can um but you're seeing all of that seep into network television it just subtle changes yeah (laughs) subtle I mean they've been around for decades so subtle changes baby steps for the networks and just start to see the value in people who are coming up in different ways Mm -hmm. like who are making their career as influencers Mm -hmm. or making their career as um comedians and not just people who are going the traditional route I was really surprised to see that they gave that um they gave Lily Singh and that late night show I was really surprised by that I was like oh my gosh she's like a YouTuber what world am like why am I bothering with acting classes and stuff and I wonder that a lot now because I'm I'm I have one foot in the influencer creator you know social media space but then I also come from a background of I studied at the groundlings and I've studied acting class for years I was a theater major so like I get torn because I'm like well if I could get in to a job like just being an influencer like hey great but there's a part of me that's like what why are we still, why is everybody not just becoming a vlogger or a YouTuber anymore? Like, why are we still bothering to go to acting classes and, and do that traditional path of that's supposed to lead to success? If somebody who is just making fun videos on YouTube can get a late night talk show, you know what I mean? Like you start to go, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> well, I think that making fun videos on YouTube is a great path. If you, if your goal is to have a late night talk show because mm-hmm. that's really translatable to that. Mm-hmm. The skill set is very similar. Sure. I think there's space for both in television and movies and acting. Um, obviously, people who come from a traditional acting background and are good at it and thriving are we need those people and we don't want them to disappear because they need to carry a show like the marvelous Mrs. Maisel mm-hmm. and we also need influencers and people pushing their own content through and creating new and original things and basically creating entire digital platforms around them mm-hmm. to continue pushing the envelope in entertainment and expanding opportunities for everybody. And it doesn't mean that all influencers are are talented actors and all talented actors could host a late night talk show I don't think that that's true Mm -hmm. and so I think there's space for everybody in the landscape because the landscape is growing yeah that's a great reminder and a great point because I think some actors get frustrated because they think influencers are taking all their jobs and I'm like that's not true because I am an influencer (laughs) I'm not taking anyone's job um uh, but like I, there is that sort of that mentality I think people are thinking. Um, I would love to know, what do you think has changed the most, like in terms of um, what actors need to know when they're coming to read for you? Is it still pretty much the same? Like they need to know their lines, you know, all the basics that we should all know by now. I mean, I would hope um, we should all know our lines, be on time, be respectful, you know, all of those things. Is there still this idea that we need to be bringing a little something extra like for a long time I remember somebody was like oh you gotta put like a tag on the end of your audition (laughs) that way they know you're something different or whatever you know and I I just think that I'm just curious to know what's changed is it all still basically the same I I always say that the most important thing is or the most important things are the basics so yes come you know on time probably it's probably fine (laughs) if you're not but (laughs) if you happen to come you know 10 minutes late and you're the last person I'm telling you there was a time when I as an actor would lose my mind if I was 10 minutes late I thought oh my god (laughs) I have just ruined all my chances I'm never gonna work again this office is never gonna call me in 
Like I would stress out so hardcore. And then I just sort of got to a level of confidence and a point where I realized that's not the case. Like Nobody they're knows. not, <laughs> yeah, they're not that worried about it. If I was an hour or two hours late, that's different. Right. Or if so, you're the last appointment, it could be problematic just because they, they might need be to gone move on with their day or, or yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it's normally totally fine and there's mm-hmm. somebody that came early that they'll just see first they'll just go right on it yeah <laughs> but um yeah try and be on time um knowing your lines is great for you because mm-hmm. it doesn't take you out of the scene to be thinking about what you're saying or holding the paper and wondering where you are on the page i just think it's better for you if you know your lines yes um you give a better more present performance but I don't care if somebody holds the paper, if they give a great performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, be normal, I guess. Just don't, don't be, be a weirdo. difficult or mean. <laughs> I think. Don't be stalkery. <laughs> hey, wait, can we get coffee later? What are you doing later? I think it's yeah. more important what you do in the scene than mm-hmm. anything else. Yeah. If you knock it out of the park in the read, in the scene, mm-hmm. in character, it matters to me at least very little what else you do or say or how long we talk because I talk to people a long time. Yes, you and I chatted a very <laughs> yeah, long time and right. I felt so bad. I was like, everyone no, in the hallway I is going it. to kill me. I, I try not to stack my sessions too thick mm-hmm. because I know I'm a talker and I have gotten to the point where I try and see less less people that I already know are good and we appreciate that as an Uh actor I will tell you it is so deflating when you get called in to go across town to audition for something with three or four lines or however many lines and there's 50 people (laughs) that have already been seen for this one small part and you just start to be like (sighs) like what am I doing why you know yeah I I would not traditionally see that many people for one small part but I might be seeing multiple parts that day mm-hmm. and it, get, it it could get backed up but I yeah. try it's really important to me and I feel really badly if people have to wait in the waiting room mm-hmm. um so I try not it stresses me out and yeah. I like to have the freedom to just chat with people if the conversation goes somewhere because I like to learn yeah. about people as an actor it's very comforting to go into an office where the casting director just takes a minute with you because sometimes you know our scripts are three or four lines and we're in and out in 20 seconds and you've just gotten up done your hair done your makeup gotten a babysitter driven all the way across town to go in the room for 20 seconds and I know sometimes that's just part of the job and they have people to see and people to do but we are by nature creative creatures and we need a minute to go was that okay that doesn't mean you have to be like you know, pat us on the back, give us hugs, validate, you know what I mean? You don't have to validate everyone's feelings. No, but just give me a redirect. Give me a chance to show you one more time what I do. It's the most frustrating when I go in and I do one take and they're like, okay, thanks. And they don't, there's no, hi, nice to see you. Hey, how's it going? Nothing. And you just feel like you're another number, another cattle piece of cattle going through the system. And as a creative person, it, it starts to kind of wear on your soul after a while. So it is refreshing. Stretcher for just a couple minutes who's like hi how was your day you know that sort of thing usually for example if I had like a one-line role I'll just say up front you know we're gonna do this two or three ways so just so you know up front you don't have to commit to one oh that's you can nice. make a choice um make more specific choices if you want um or do it one way like you know safe and then play with it and we can use the take that I like better. Um, and so usually if it's one small line, I'll just go ahead and tell people up front, you can do it two different ways, three different ways, something like that. Um, if it's one longer line, it might be one take just because that's all you need. Um, how many ways can you really say like, you know, uh, have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess you could say it infinite, infinite, infinite yes. ways, but I'm not looking for too much there. And In I don't want to, indi- I don't want to mislead somebody into thinking I really need this to be so specific. Like we don't need to cram all of our years of acting experience and acting classes into that one line. Right. I remember George Clooney said something, um, when he's talking about actors and casting small parts, he's like, Sometimes you just need the pizza delivery guy to deliver the pizza. 
Right. You don't need them to do like a full Shakespearean <laughs> monologue right. in that pizza delivery moment. You just come in, deliver the pizza. Like, and honestly, when it comes down to something so, a role that's so small as that, it might be, it it might just be almost 100% based on the look. Yeah. Yeah, that person looks right. And if, if, if it's like a one word line, you might want to, you know, pay attention more to the look than anything else. And that's something you can't control. So yeah. I feel like most of the time on these one line roles, most of the people are going to say it in an acceptable way, a way yes. that we're all going to believe. And it has to do more on the look and like, well, you know, I'm somebody who looks like this yet. On well, the let show. me ask you this, because that brings up a great point. There is a facebook group and instagram guy that's i can't think of what it's called right now but it's things called actors with signs and he holds up signs in hollywood with like stuff about acting or whatever and one of the signs he held up uh, was um can we just start casting actors with one line off of their headshots i i don't know i think a lot of a lot of sessions are moving on tape um so you could do like a you know very submit a self tape quickly on your cell phone doing this one line yeah. I've done that before yeah. um but when you're if you're working with a studio or a network they want everything to be really traditional and well lit and so you can hear it and mm-hmm. not shot vertically and I don't think I, I think uh the trust isn't there all the time for people to self tape for yeah. uh bigger projects so yeah. So, and it's an opportunity to go in and meet the casting director and, you know, make an impression and all of that stuff. But for me, if somebody can't come into audition and puts themselves on tape, and I can't speak for all casting directors, it is the same. Yeah. The same, same, same. You'd be considered the same way. I would watch oh, the tape and know. put it in the, because the, the director and the producer are very rarely in the room. Yeah these days because they cast most of these roles on tape is certainly a role with one line yeah they will cast it off of tape so it doesn't matter if they see if you turn in a self-tape that doesn't look Mm -hmm. completely awful like a disaster (laughs) and you you do a good job then I would just include it in my batch of selects see that's good to hear because sometimes I wonder I love to be in the room and meet the casting director especially if it's someone I've never met before um, I, I like to be in the room, you know, so they can see me, see who I am. But um, it is nice to know that your self tapes are still considered in the same way. Like I was at Disney World a couple of weeks ago and I got an email and audition for a self tape. So I just did it in my hotel room and I'm like, well, they're probably never even going to see this because I'm clearly in a hotel room, you know, like they're going <laughs> to be like, okay. where is she? Yeah. But then you start to doubt yourself as an actor and go, oh, you know, I should have been there in person and. You know, so that's good to hear. I I think that I I can't speak for everybody, but I think that there is nothing wrong with a self tape. I mean, it might it might put you at a slight disadvantage if there are a million people who came Mm -hmm. in who were already good. And now the casting directors don't want to sit and watch all the self tapes or anything like that. But most of the time, a self tape is totally acceptable and would be treated just like somebody coming into the room. Uh, the casting director can't redirect you, but they mm-hmm. probably don't have to for one line. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Is there anything else you want to share with, you know, actors or, um, you know, anyone about your perspective and being a mom in this industry, um, that you think they might find helpful or be interested for, for actors? Yeah, or for a casting director, anybody in the industry. Okay, a couple things. At least, I can only speak for me. Sure. Because everybody is different, and I am extremely laid back mm-hmm. as a human being and as a professional. <laughs> I work really hard, but I have a laid back personality. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you need to get a babysitter to audition unless it's for you mentally you are welcome to bring your baby to an audition somebody in the waiting room will watch the baby or you can bring it into the room um I I don't know that I would want to bring my kids on an audition (laughs) because it would be too distracting for me but if you have no children who are yeah yeah, no other choice or children who are Mm -hmm. better behaved than my kids (laughs) then um I think 
it's fine. I am Bring so them. glad to hear you say that because I have been advocating and telling moms for years that it's okay to take your child into an audition. It's not necessarily going to hurt your chances if you can still focus. And I know there's a lot of moms who say they can't focus if, if their baby or their child is there or whatever. I've been taking Channing to auditions with me since she was two months old. She used to sleep in the carrier and I would do my audition. We go back out or I would have a friend come and like walk around the lot with her while I ran into the audition or whatever. Um, it took a tremendous amount of stress off of me to know that I wasn't going to miss out on work. And right. I think that's what a lot of moms stress out about when they have kids is that they're missing out on opportunities and because they're afraid that the casting director or producer or whoever it might be, might be looking down on them for being a mom. And I, that's never was my experience. I never took her to a producer session. I always did try to make something happen, you know, get some help then, but that was never my experience. Every casting director was so warm and so welcoming and lovely. I think there might've been one that was like, Oh, you brought your, your kid or whatever. And I was like, I did. And she's awesome. <laughs> um, but everybody was lovely and like, has always been really nice. You know, it, it would never hurt your chances with me. And I would, I would welcome it. I would, I, people do it. Be like, bring me. I think it helps to know that people do it. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. Um, at least with me. <laughs> I mean, I booked, I still booked many parts with my kid after taking her to auditions with me, you know, and I'm like, I used to call her my good luck charm, well, you know? You so yeah. I think it's still possible to do both. And I really want moms to take that stigma off of themselves or worry that if they have no other choice or babysitter craps out or whatever, that it's okay. Right. Almost every casting office I've ever been to has been lovely about it. And they, to this day, will ask me, how's your daughter? That's good to know. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Um, Another thing, just like a rando thing, is that if you are called in for a role that it doesn't, and you're pregnant, and it doesn't matter if you're pregnant or not in the role, just come in. Yeah. Pregnant people live on this planet. That's true. And so if you're... You know, coming in for a teacher or, you know, just when I was pregnant, my agent stopped submitting me for stuff because she said people didn't want actual pregnant people on their set because it was a liability. So she stopped submitting me. That could be true. Potentially um, Mm -hmm. past a certain point or but I I I don't know what the rules are. Yeah. But I think past a certain point, maybe because you could have the baby and they'd have to recast, um, set, but yeah. it's not a big deal. People it's not recast that big all the time yeah. for different reasons. Yeah. Like I will recast you if you have the baby and cannot make it <laughs> in um, the next week. Cause right. it usually is like a week turnaround. Right. Yeah. I think for a small role that works one or two days or three days or four days and you're six months pregnant, it's fine. Yeah. And I would encourage it. And I would, I I would love to cast more pregnant people, but they never show up in my office. Or if they do, they don't tell me. It's because the agents stop submitting them. I'm, yeah. pr- I'm almost positive that's Maybe it. there is a rule that I don't know. No, I don't I think don't there's a rule. Know. I think it's a, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. There's this long-held belief that if you get pregnant or become a mom, that maybe your career is over. No one want to work with you. So they just don't submit you when you're pregnant. And that's why so many women wait to tell their agents and managers for such a long time right, that they're okay. having a baby. Well, maybe don't tell them ever. And then just be like, surprise. Yeah. I mean, you need to tell the production if you're, it would be a lead and you're yeah. very pregnant and you might have the baby during, sure. you know, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be particularly <laughs> cool. But, um, but yeah, there are people who are pregnant mm-hmm. who walk this earth. And mm-hmm. so I think it's fine to, yeah come in and you don't have to talk about it if you feel uncomfortable or anything like that but it's not it's not a big deal that's I a even great cast reminder pregnant yeah. roles sometimes and I can't get a pregnant person to come in yeah <laughs> that's so that's so crazy but such a great point and a great reminder too for everybody to either if you don't want to tell your agent don't tell them I or guess. just you know <laughs> yeah um, um, here's my other question. It, this is something I, and this is purely selfish, but I'm sure someone will glean something from this. I feel like I am stuck in, um, like co-star land. Mm-hmm. I have over 40 credits in film and television for small parts and co-star parts. Some, a couple guest stars, but mostly co-stars. I have been stuck in this for years and my managers are trying to get me out of it by only submitting me for like large co-stars or guest star parts. But I just... 
I don't know if it's a mindset, if I'm not on the proverbial list, you know, the, the list or whatever to get up to that next level. Um, and it's frustrating for me because I do have a social following. I do have, I am a trained actor and trained comedian, but I just can't seem to make that leap to a network sitcom, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, or, uh, even a Netflix, you know, something. And I don't know if it's my manager thinks that maybe I'm just not focusing on acting since I've been focusing so much on motherhood and Hollywood. And I'm like, well, it's not true. I think about it every day. Um, <laughs> I'm like, every time I watch I TV, I'm like, else. I'm like, why didn't I have this part? Why did I audition <laughs> for that? Um, but I think, um, it's always, it's always fascinating to me how people make that leap to the list to get, to be one of the ones that's chosen for pilots, for series regulars, for main roles. How do we get to that point? Um, I don't, I never really necessarily agree with not going out for co-star roles anymore mm-hmm. to try and sit only go out for guest star sure, roles because sure. I just think it eliminates the opportunity for co-star roles and doesn't actually elevate the opportunity you have for guest star roles. Yeah. Um, you don't think that there's a stigma anymore that's like, oh, this actor only is co-star actor. I can only speak for me once again, but not at all. I appreciate when somebody I might think of as a guest star would do a co-star role. (laughs) Um, I appreciate that. And a lot of the time, there's not much that really differentiates a guest star from a co-star. Sure. Um, Just a couple of lines. Yeah. Or just... My, sometimes it's my own discretion there's not yeah I don't believe there's some kind of definition between guest star and co-star at least not on like a Netflix show or something like that where you're sagging media contract um I think you I think it has to do with um just getting people's eyeballs on you getting mm-hmm. people to know you and not going out for co-star roles is the opposite of that so i wouldn't recommend that unless unless you're getting totally if you're totally getting a sufficient amount of guest star roles that you're totally happy with then fine if you don't want to waste your time sure going out for smaller roles but that is not the case if the goal is to work (laughs) and 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 get as many roles as possible then you want to have eyeballs on you you want to have people be a working actor be a working actor um, if you go out for a co-star role and don't get it just because this other role next week is a guest star and I liked you for that co-star, but it's it's not going to affect at least mm-hmm. my view of, you know, bringing you in for something else just like because it's a bigger a... role sure. because you would have done a smaller role. Right. Um, in terms of leads, it just has to do if, if it's something that you're right for. Yeah. And a lot of leads really still are just like, you know, at least in in the in the traditional sense, a lot of leads are like you know twenty something college kids or whatever, yeah, and yeah. so it's it's more it's more rare to come across like a series regular role that is someone in their thirties or forties or whatever, or just somebody who isn't already who hasn't already been a series regular before. Oh, that's or true. Hasn't yeah. already done that before. And so just to break into that is a little bit of a yeah. chicken or the egg situation. Yeah, I can see that. And so, and all, a lot of the times with leads, you're just making offers. Mm. Um, even on guest star roles, you're making offers sometimes to people who have the resume or have the yeah. demo reel to back that up. So, I think a big part of that is building your demo reel, mm-hmm. even if it is full of co-stars sure. um, or full of self-tapes or s- having material to show for yourself so that you can be considered for roles that are offer only. Um, yeah, that's important. People forget that having your materials ready to go, whether it be a reel, headshots, whatever, updated. Yeah, yeah it's important. Because there, uh, I, uh, I used to cast a show called um, Adam Ruins Everything, and mm-hmm. it's it has run its course now but we used to uh, straight offer like small roles all the time oh, only nice. because we didn't have there were so many roles every episode oh, you just didn't have time and we didn't have time and so so p- even people who had like demo reels full of co-star material or self-tapes mm-hmm. or you know sketch comedy or something would be considered for a role that we were just straight offering yeah. And so I think 
those things are important. And I think that the sort of over, over lining thing mm-hmm. is just work as much as you can. Yeah. And that will lead to more and more and more if you're good and if you're getting people's attention and if you're standing out to people, people will consider you for more things and give you more responsibility. So interesting because since um, we've started taking this no more co-stars philosophy in the past year and a half, two years, I have not booked anything. I don't, I, I honestly don't like that. So, <laughs> Tell me that. <laughs> so I'm like, I feel I like, like it, it was, and I, I feel like it never comes from the actor. I feel like, no, I feel like it, um, is great in theory, but I also have always been of the mindset of work begets work. Cause when I'm on a set and when I'm meeting producers, ADs, directors, everybody, other actors, whatever, I would much rather be doing that than sitting at home and watching somebody else do it on you my television. You never know what's going to come out of an yeah. opportunity. Yeah. And you, I think you need to think about, because there are things you can say no to. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not saying just say yes to any sure thing that comes your way. Sure. Um, that you don't like or that you don't connect with, but think about if you would be excited to get an offer for that role. Mm-hmm. Think about if you would be happy or feel like it was a burden right, to get an offer for that role. Right. And if you would feel happy to get an offer, then at least self-tape for it. Yeah. Even if you can't go in or if it's too expensive to get a a sitter and it doesn't pay enough to like justify that in your mind at least go on tape for it yeah and but don't pass on it because then you're not going to be considered for things like that in the future even if you do change your mind Mm -hmm. somebody says like they don't go out for co-star roles then if i have a co-star role the next week that actually is really funny and like a great role and right for that person i wouldn't go back to them because oh they don't do co-star roles yeah Okay, this is all very good information, (laughs) Lindsay. And I know I could sit here and talk to you for hours and literally ask you like every single question, but I know you also have a life. (laughs) You have, you also have to get like to your job. So, um, before I continue to ramble on about how much I love my kids and my job, um, I want to say thank you again for, I really appreciate you coming by. Thank you for having me. I had fun. All right, you guys. So I'm going to put up information about Lindsay and what she's working on right now and where you can find her. Uh, but don't stalk her. Um, <laughs> I'm going to put all that up on motherhoodinhollywood.com. That's going to do it for me. I hope you have a wonderful week. And remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. balls.